for News with My Dad. The show we talk about the news with my dad. And on the line, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, I hope, my dad, star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? Well, this just goes to show that sometimes hopes are met. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff, sometimes even hopeful stuff. Sometimes we talk about important stuff. What it's unimportant, we try to say, so we take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn, sometimes usually takes the first turn. Dad, do you have a shout-out? I have two shout-outs. First, I want a shout-out for retired circuit Oregon Circuit Judge Edward Jones, who wrote a wonderful op-ed in the Oregonian concerning the need to revise and really get rid of uh, some of the provisions of Measure 11 and pointing out that district attorneys who are opposing any change are doing it because they want to conserve their own power. And he's exactly right. My compliments to Judge Jones. And I want to shout out for NASA and for Percy for Perseverance who, after a seven-month trip, landed safely on Mars where Percy is going to be collecting data for the next 10 years. And 10 years from now, if all goes well, we'll actually be sending back stuff from Mars to us. I'm just hoping that I live that long. You want to make it to Mars, Pop? I don't want to visit Mars, but I sure would like to know what they find when they bring stuff back. It would be nice for us to be around when we make it to Mars. There's now, but by the way, it was made clear on the Internet. There have been many things that have been made clear on the Internet. Some things that have been obfuscated, that have become less clear. But one thing that has become clear on the Internet is that robots run Mars. Mars is entirely occupied by robots. Like one. But that's still fine. Dad, where do you want to... Very fancy and very expensive robots. Fancy, fancy robots. And by the way, I want to appreciate, speaking of robots, I don't know, and speaking about the internet, I don't know if you've seen about the 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 Boston Dynamics robot dog that like somebody started controlling, controlling with the internet and put a paintball gun on it and had it shoot stuff up. And you realize those cute little robot dogs, there's a reason they named it Spot. There's a reason they started with a dog. And so we're not entirely terrified with the idea that there now are robots. And we are on the way to artificial intelligence plus robots. They're not hard to arm. And it's not different than having a drone. If you can blow somebody up with a drone, you can shoot somebody with a robot dog. I don't know. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Dystopia. That's the future show. Before we dive into all the news, I want to acknowledge you found that the passing of a wonderful, a wonderful Oregonian, Bud Lewis, who was a member of the Portland Police Department for many years and for several years was head of the Sunshine Division. And after he retired, continued to support the Sunshine Division. He passed away at age 100. And also just want to remind folks that tonight at sundown, Purim begins the 24-hour Jewish holiday where everybody celebrates and has a good time, and I hope everybody enjoys Purim tonight. Well, Dad, something I want to point out is, and I was 
thinking you might. Well, actually, where do you want to start? Why don't you start? Where, where you? I guess you've already been starting. Well, but where do you want to get to? There's stuff happening on the COVID front that I think we need to mention first. Relative to COVID, if you are planning a trip to Hawaii, don't try to cheat on showing proof of test or accepting quarantine because they are fining people, they're arresting and fining people a lot of money who try to cheat. The uh, we, uh, we of course acknowledge that the, the death of over half a half a billion. Americans, well, that's just a lot of people. Half a million, half a million, half a million. Half a million, half a million, yeah. I mean, half a million, half a million. And the flags are being, federal flags are being flown at half staff for five days. It's actually now over 506,000. The But there's good news on the VAX front. The president and vice president are going to be celebrating the 50 millionth vaccination. The Johnson & Johnson vax is, has been given the go-ahead for emergency use. Looks like it works well. Uh, 400, on the downside, 400 vax uh, healthcare workers have died since December from COVID, so it's we're still not safe there. And, and, and I just... I just want to say thank you to the folks at the convention center who are administering the vaccine, the atmosphere there, the positive atmosphere there. And I just really, really did appreciate that. Also on the COVID front, the president wants to mail 25 million masks to citizens who have not been able to obtain masks for whatever reason. Uh, and it might be worth noting that Oregon is in the top echelon of states that have responded successfully, if you can word the, use the word successfully, or at least be, responded best to the virus, which is a really good thing. And that we just need to, I think we need to continue to keep thoughts of COVID up so that people will continue to wear their masks even after they get vaccinated. So... We can kill this sucker. Okay, just shrinking the syllables. You just say vax when you're talking about the device, and then when you're using the verb, it's just vaccined. I appreciate that. I think there are too many syllables used generally, and I appreciate those who want to shave syllables. That gets me to also my lead story. Waking up alone, I started with one shot. It turns out that the Johnson & Johnson one-shot vaccine, wow, bangers, as the kids might or might not say, this is now the time that we know that there is an 85% effectiveness rate against severe illness for the one-shot Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. Now, that's different than a 95% chance of not exhibiting any meaningful symptoms at all. But an independent analyst won't decide whether or not the vaccine will be recommended to the FDA for distribution to the public. They won't know that until Friday. Once that advice is given, the FDA will, though, likely approve distribution within days. About 44.5 million Americans have at least received one dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. Those are two shots. I don't have a two-shot song. 20 million Americans have received both of those shots, both of those doses. If the J&J &J vaccine is approved, 
if the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is approved, the uh, the company says they'll have 20 million doses by the end of March and a billion for worldwide distribution by the end of the year. It says this is a vaccine to prevent you from going to the hospital and dying at a level that's certainly comparable to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Worldwide, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was tested in South Africa and Latin America. The South Africa uh, recently began giving the single-shot vaccine to frontline health workers on a test basis. It's unclear how well those work against different variants. No side effects linked to the vaccine so far. Protection from the virus kicks in about two weeks after the injection. Bob, the question I have, there is some debate about whether or not we should be distributing a single-shot vaccine, one that is not that doesn't have 95% Uh, protection against symptoms, but 85% protection against severe illness. What are your thoughts on whether you think we should stick with two shots or whether we should also do one shot? Well, my thought is that what you want to do is get as many people vaccinated as soon as possible. And because demand is significantly uh, ahead of supply right now, one of the things I'm really aware of it. My, my next door box every day is full of messages of, of people, especially people on the shady side of 70 who have been unable to get an appointment because the, there are so many people trying to get an appointment. So any vaccination is better than no vaccination. My feeling is that if we get reached the point where where there is enough for everybody, not just everybody in the United States, but everybody in the world, because there's still over a hundred countries that have no vaccination vaccines at all. That if we have enough, that that the Cadillac dose, the double dose, and, and Pfizer's even talking maybe about a third for everybody, great. But until that happens, the the Ford or Chevy, just grab it. And that's my, but that gets to sort of the question. Imagine this. Imagine they're they're not different brands. Let's imagine they weren't different vaccines. It's just one vaccine. And the choice is, you could give double the people less protection or half the people more protection. I guess the case for giving half the people more protection is just continuing to say, hey, if you don't have the whole thing, just stay inside. Just keep wearing your mask. Just let, let's just get this done. Let's get this done right. Let's not let's not do a like a, a lousy coat of paint coat of paint across the whole house. Let's get this building here fully painted, and then let's move our paint crew over that building before we just start inviting people into both buildings. That I guess is the argument, and I don't I don't land in a particular place. But I heard your case. Anything else on COVID, Dad? Before we move along. Well, it's, it's just an example of not letting, not we shouldn't let perfect get in the way of good. Well, see, I don't know that it's an example of that because, which is why I give, which is why I give the example that I offer. If you are going to have, well, and I'll just ask, maybe you've asked that question. If you had a hundred thousand people and you had a hundred thousand doses, would you give a hundred thousand people one dose so that they could all of them avoid uh, eighty, so eight hundred and you know, so eighty-five thousand of them would avoid serious illness or would you give half of them 95 percent protection from any kind of meaningful 
symptoms at all, including the less, the significantly reduced likelihood that they were going to be able to be spreaders. So they actually got pretty close to immunity within that group. And then wait and move on to the other 50,000 until you got more doses and get them totally squared away. Now, I can see a case for going 50 plus 50 rather than rather than a thin coat of paint that might even build the wrong kind of immunity, might even build my fear. And I'll defer to the scientists might even build resistance to a vaccine and might even and might not stamp out variants. And, of course, there are other facts that should be considered. You're, you, in the in the example you just gave, you said you start with 100,000. The question would be, of course, uh, how many are you going to have tomorrow or next week or next month? And uh, that variable would also be very significant in making that decision. Well, outside the but, academic but the, realm, the thing, the outside, thing that outside, we know is that, is that the vaccine producers need to be producing those suckers just as fast as they can. All right, Dad. Well, the House Judiciary Committee has heard testimony from racial justice advocates. The committee heard statements in favor of H.R. 40, known as the Commission to Study and Develop Reparation Proposals for African Americans Act. If passed, the bill would establish commission to recommend potential compensation, also allow Congress to decide ways to educate the American public about the legacy of slavery. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, who presented H.R. 40 in January, began her introduction by describing how economic issues are the root cause for many critical issues impacting the African-American community today. Representative Lee also cited a Harvard study that found a correlation between reparations and public health. Dad, did you, when you were working on the Hill decades ago, did you anticipate, did you think there was ever a chance that the issue of reparations would be squarely before Congress? Was it something that people didn't even whisper? Did you think it's somewhere in the back of your mind, yeah, this ought to be done at some point? What are your thoughts historically or maybe even presently on reparations? Well, first, historically, there was no discussion of such a thing at all, to the best of my memory. But I was extremely aware, working on Capitol Hill and living in the heart of Washington, D.C., fact, if, if I walked one block north from the apartment that your mother and I lived in, I integrated the neighborhood. And, and I was very, very aware of the bad treatment that people of color, especially people whose parents came from Africa, whose ancestors came from Africa, were getting. For the present, the concern I have is I, I'm delighted that there's going to be a commission and the commission and education especially needs to be done and awareness so that people appreciate the challenge that you have when you're when your great grandparents or great great grandparents belonged heart and soul belonged to somebody whose skin was paler than yours. And then after that emancipation happened, the uh, particularly in the South, reestablished uh, just about as close to slavery as you can get without actual slavery, and how that went on well, well into my lifetime, uh, and and the vestiges of it are just everywhere that. The education and awareness of that is so important, and and making sure that people have 
people of color have better access to education and better access to health care, better access to opportunity, really important. I am I am a little uneasy about the idea, let's give everybody some money. Let's give everybody whose ancestors were slaves some money, because I'm afraid if that was what happened, it would be so easy, so easy for people not of color to say, okay, we've taken care of it now, it's all over. When what is necessary is to recognize the systemic results of our history that go back to 16 whatever it was yeah i don't i don't think for my part it's an either or i think the moral case and the policy case and basically every vector that i approach the issue that reparations is i won't call it a no-brainer because it's require brains but it is an easy to me it's a it's an easy decision the yes or no is an easy yes or no uh the uh and and i I don't even have to go beyond this show. I don't even have to go beyond conversations we've had here, interviews we've done here, the talks we've had here, including with Rakaia Adams and others going on the, uh, I don't, we don't have to go beyond this town. We don't have to go beyond our neighborhood where we live. We don't go, have to go beyond our house. Our house is an example of white privilege that at the time, I, I think that redlining was still going on the year I was born. I think that, I think that the year that, uh, that you bought uh, the compound was still at a time when black people couldn't get loans in Irvington. Uh, the, unless it had just, unless that had just changed in like '71. Do you know the year that that changed? I should look it up. Well, it it had it had changed briefly before that because because the there was a relatively minor influx of African Americans into the Irvington neighborhood. Their white flight crashed housing prices and we were one, we were one of the last beneficiaries of that to get the, the the wonderful house that we live in for ridiculous a ridiculous price at that time uh, the big mistake I made I could have bought the house next door for for really cheap should should have done that but but anyway the uh, so so I, I'm guessing I'm guessing that redlining was starting to fade, or maybe they were just moving the line a little bit. Yeah, I mean we can we can look that up, and I would like to have that history. But the that so much of so much of the discussion, I, I think that discussion has changed even in the last year, thankfully. But it's been like uh, you know when I went to school, it was still. Oh, by the way, Madison has a new Madison High School has a new name. We should probably talk about that. And by the way, if folks have opinions on this or other things, text line here is 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. But speaking of high school, I, I, this is why I bring up the Madison thing. When I was in high school, this sort of story was like, oh, like, remember racism? How bad that was? You know, racism is this really bad thing. Realizing my darn lifetime, not just your darn lifetime, my darn lifetime. And now even still, of course. And so much of that link to wealth disparities and so much of that link to access to assets. And I do think I'll flip what you said, Bob. I do think there needs to be an event. I don't think the event is going to say any more than, you know, elimination of apartheid is going to be is going to say, OK, racism's over. Everything's cool now. I don't think I don't think the event does that. Uh, there is. I mean, I'll shout out to the Watchmen and Red Predations for one uh, fictional treatment of potential backlash of uh potential backlash of reparations and 
inevitably there will be. The argument I'll hear very often is, yeah, but, you know, will we get, how do you decide what the amount is and like exactly who gets it? And yeah, will there be some backlash? And here's the, and here's my response to all of that is we're, we're going to get it wrong. Okay. We're going to get it wrong. Like the, the exact amount of money is going to be the wrong exact amount of money. Some people maybe should or shouldn't get it. It'll, you know, it'll probably be a little bit wrong. There will be some people saying, oh, look, look, you got some money. Why did you get some money? You shouldn't have got some money. There'll be some of that. And you know what? None of those wrongs will be even close in comparison with the wrong that we've already been engaging in for decades I, I, and centuries. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, the concept of some kind of an event. But, but we, we, the event needs to be recognized and clearly the start of something and not the end of something. Yeah, I think the how That's question... The it has to be the start of something. I think the how question is a really interesting question. Okay, and I think the like, how do you build the uh, how, how do you build the case for it so more and more people can access the benefit that there is in an appropriate way? How do you communicate it to people so there is a it, it helps grow a consensus around a common American narrative that brings us all together as a nation, as a world, as a, as a humanity, rather than something that and does has that force more than the force of dividing. Uh, I think there's lots of interesting questions about how much is done by direct cash payments versus, uh, which I think is the bulk of the important thing that needs to be done, uh, in addition to sort of other pieces, even beyond education, but just making sure there is a legitimate social safety net, that just being, living in the United States gives one a real chance, uh, gives somebody a baseline good life and a real chance for a great life. I think they're really interesting how questions, the yes or no question to me is, uh, is, is deeply compelling. I think it's one of the more important things that's happening in the country, and I'm really grateful for it. Dad, before we go to break. Other, other Congress stuff, and maybe I could just, could I just laundry, laundry list some Congress stuff? Far away. First, Elizabeth McDonough. Had you ever heard of Elizabeth McDonough before this week? No. Uh, do you recognize why her name is so critically important? No. She is the parliamentarian of the Senate who today is wielding perhaps the the, the great the greatest stick available as to whether or not as to what the, the Senate is going to do with the the big bill coming over to address the pandemic, particularly as it relates to the minimum wage, and uh, because she she is apparently going to say today whether or not, in her opinion, the minimum wage can be dealt with in the reconciliation process and the. Uh, Administration has said that they are not going to try their. The president of the Senate, or is the vice vice president of the United States, is going to accept whatever she has to say. So, it's giving her a really big stick. That's something to watch. The Coalition for Jewish Values, representing over 1,500 conservative rabbis in conservative Jewish congregations, have sent a letter to Congress saying protesting that the Equality Act uh, 
as it is written, is really saying to them that if they obey the Bible, of course, the Old Testament from a Christian standpoint, obey the Bible, they are guilty of bigotry, and and that's a complex problem because there, there are things like, of course, about marriage and separate seating in churches and so on. That's that's something that really is deserving consideration. It, we're talking about the Jewish community. There's a real divide uh, affecting the Jewish community, but but the people of Jewish faith or Jewish ancestry in the United States, because KKL, the big Jewish charity, is expanding its support of stuff in the West Bank, which, of course, the U.N. thinks is illegal. Italian prosecutors are ordering food delivery companies to hire riders and pay big fines. In Milan, prosecutors have ordered four food delivery companies to hire over 60,000 workers, pay 733 million euros for inadequate working commissions, conditions. Excuse me. An investigation was launched in the early of 2019 after road accidents involving food delivery riders that included Uber Eats, Just Eat, Deliveroo, and Foodinho Glovo. I think that last one probably isn't operating in the United States at this point. Prosecutors say, Uber Eats, of course, is. Prosecutors say that despite being fully included in the organization of the company's riders are hired with self-employment contracts. This, of course, has implications for how this is going to be treated elsewhere. At least it's a window to how some folks are dealing with it. Uh, we got a text in. Can you please ask listeners to email and call Senator Peter Courtney and Energy Committee Chair Senator Lee Byer ASAP to say no to, to Senate Bill 16. It allows housing developments on exclusive use farmland in eastern Oregon. Sets a very dangerous precedent. The call in line here, according to this listener, is Peter Courtney's at 503-986-1711. Lee Byers at 986-1706. Dad, we got a minute or two for you to shout out the international news that you want and maybe even something you'd want us to talk about. Well, Merkley, I mentioned his going after Chinese censorship. China (laughs) is passing a law for Hong Kong that you cannot run for office in Hong Kong unless you swear fealty to Beijing. China court has awarded $7,200 to a woman who, for unpaid domestic labor from her ex-husband after a divorce, China has banned the BBC, which is kind of concerning. Other other international news, uh, President Obrador of Mexico is betting on coal. That's very troubling to me. Colombia has told the, the president of Colombia, Ivan Duque, I hope I pronounced that right, has told Venezuelan refugees that they could stay in in Colombia for 10 years and be considered okay because of the problems there. Myanmar, huge test of popular will against the military is going on in Myanmar. That of historic proportions something to watch. Canada is is looking to pass a gun law which will allow cities to ban firearms altogether. Boy, wouldn't that be something here. Monsanto and DDT pushed Mexico to okay glyphosate. That that is a very troubling thing. Elon Musk has told Putin that he'd like to sit down and talk with him 
And Putin has said, well, well, maybe. And North Korea is accused of stealing at least $1.3 billion, especially through Bitcoin theft, to support their missile program. That's all international stuff that I'm glad we were able to inform people about. Any, any place you want us to add value, Dad? Any analysis we want to do? Any Anything that we can do that's well, special there? Well, there are just some court stuff that's happening that I think people should be watching. Uh, first, SCOTUS has told DDT one more time, no, and is trying to contest the election, folks who are saying about, uh, about Pennsylvania. And they have told Cyrus Vance, the district attorney of Manhattan, that he can have DDT's tax returns. That's something really to be watching. The Dominion is suing my pillow and Mike Lindell for $1.3 million. I would like to be a mouse in the corner, a fly on the wall, when Lindell's lawyers explain to him that he really does not have a case on the facts and how, how that is going to go down with him it would be very interesting and uh, very significant court ruling in California federal judge John Mendez has told telecom companies that California Senate Bill 822 providing net neutrality can take effect that's very significant and while we're talking about politics generally Governor Cuomo, I think, may be in real trouble. That his 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 hopes of being president or even governor again may have gone down the tube. We'll say, and while we're talking about politics and the nation, 168 Confederate shrines have now been taken down in the country. There are just 700 to go. Madison High School has a new name, Leodis V. McDaniel, Lincoln High School graduate and former Madison principal, is the new namesake of the Portland High School. Dad, you have, so so far we've got Wilson High School change its name, now Madison High School change its name. We have to assume Jefferson High School is going to change its name, I and mean, maybe that's maybe that is a false assumption. Uh, but uh, but I don't, th- if you were going to guess, Pop, what do you think is the next high school to get its name changed? Well, I, I am. I, I was. I liked the dealing with with uh, Wilson because uh, Wilson Wilson as president, I think, has always been very overrated, and he was just a terrible, terrible racist. He was a terrible racist. Eighty years after slavery had been abolished, uh, I, I'm less happy about Madison because Madison. Madison owned slaves. Jefferson owned slaves. We're really sorry that Washington owned slaves. But we need to remember that for the previous 6,000 years of human history, the people who were in charge in countries anywhere in the world typically owned slaves. And that that should not detract from the fact that they did some really marvelous stuff of which we are benefiting right now. The Constitution, Constitution, unfortunately, enshrined slavery or acknowledged slavery as if it were okay, and that stuck for, for four score and seven years, 
a little better, but uh, but nonetheless, I don't I don't want us to think that we are not very much in their debt, and so I'm I'm hoping that Jefferson keeps its name. Yeah, it's uh, what I to me the key constituents of the high school ought to be weighing in on these choices, and those include current students. And I will say it's my name. You know, I was I was named. I didn't pick it, but I kept it. Uh, that I was moved by students of Jefferson High School who came on this radio station and were pushing for a name change. And it, it, like I, I will acknowledge that my white privileged initial knee-jerk reaction, whose name is Jefferson, was like, how dare you? I didn't say it out loud, but my emotional reaction was like, yeah, how dare you uh, say that my... Uh, say that my name and my namesake is somehow an expression of white supremacy. And after I thought about it a little bit, I'm like, yeah, it probably is. And maybe I won't change my name, but uh, I can understand if you've got a, a a school whose roots are in the black community, who whose student body has been uh, led by and deeply included the black community, that listening to their experience to inform what the naming ought to be is probably more important. Listen to my white ass. Uh, so that's what I have to say about that. So yeah, it's it, there. There are. It is disruptive. Uh, it can be even emotional. Uh, but comparing that, it can. There is, of course, a really important question about how do we acknowledge uh, heroism in the past when that heroism happened simultaneously with villainy. Uh, that is a, I think that is a powerful and important question that I don't think we have uh, fully come to grips with. Uh, a friend of mine, Caitlin Baggett, calls this the new Puritan age, where we are distributing scarlet letters and engaging in shunning and shaming at a level that we haven't uh, engaged in in decades. I think there will need to be, I think there does need to be conversation about what reconciliation looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what moving on looks like. But uh, but before we talk about moving on, I think that there, you know, I think there is uh, more listening that needs to be done. And we've got to we've got to grapple with the key moral issues. Even dad gets back to the reparations thing. Like, I don't think I don't think until we've made some some additional major policy changes, there'll be the clarion call to keep various monuments. And I don't mean Confederate. You know, Madison was no uh, was not a Confederate general. He was not a traitor to the United States. He was just a slave owner. And there is a real good question if there were still a Washington high school. Would we what would we do with Washington High School? George Washington still an absolutely critical figure in in my view, and so is Jefferson. And here's the and this is would have been the argument for Madison uh, that in the development of democracy, if what you're rooting for is for the people to be in charge, that includes all the people that George the case for them is that George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison were all clearly figures pushing for democracy. George Washington, we could have we would have we could have had a all he would have had to say is, yeah, I want. I want to be president forever. I want to be president until I die. And he would have been president until he died, and we would have had a system not to... We would have had probably a constitutional monarchy uh, like uh, like Great Britain had and would have basically had a king for longer than they had even, perhaps. And, and, I, mean, and I mean a king with power longer than they had. But, uh, but I also recognize that students who are in a school... And community members who are in a school, you know, they ought to have a say in what in what values are promulgated by a school's name. If people have thoughts, I'd be actually genuinely interested in listeners' thoughts on this one. Five zero three, excuse me, nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. It's nine seven one two two zero 
5979. That's the text line. That other uh, Oregon redistricting, that could be headed to court. Are you ha- are you following the redistricting story? Yeah, well, of course, the, the problem the redistricting has is that they're not going to have the date until September. And so w- when that happens, the, I, 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 the legislature could call a special session to take a shot at it, or they could punt to the Secretary of State. Whatever happens, uh, the people who don't like whatever decision was made could could take it to the court, so that's going to be something to watch. While we're talking about the legislature, Representative Hernandez is going to be gone in three weeks. Some bills of, of real significance, I think, or a couple of bills concerning police, HB 2930, would allow discipline guides to be established by municipalities without getting the consent of the union. In other words, it would not be a negotiation thing. It would be something where they establish. I strongly believe that should pass. And also, uh, the bill says that an arbitrator cannot throw out a discipline of a police officer if there is evidence that would lead a reasonable conclusion that there had been misconduct that definitely needs to be passed, I believe. And HB 3145 proposes to create a public database of complaints against police officers. That also, that kind of transparency strikes me as something that really ought to happen. Do you have any thoughts on either of those bills before we talk a little bit more about the legislature? Let's keep cooking. Say again? I said let's keep cooking. Okay, let us keep cooking. Then, <clears throat> talking about staying local, did you see that? sounded that, great. Go ahead. That uh, the uh, University of Oregon professor jo- Joseph Lowndes study, study says that Oregon is leading the nation as a breeding ground for armed militia and that Portland is leading the nation in in a breeding ground for patriot prayer boys, white nationalists, that uh, that's something that we should not be bragging about. The uh, Fish Hawk Lake community in Clatsop County, that's near, near Astoria, has been fined nearly half a million dollars for draining a reservoir to fix a hole in the dam, which resulted, according to the allegation, resulted in over 30,000 fish dying, cohos and cutthroat and steelhead, which is kind of sad. The Portland School Board uh, election is going to be coming in May. Deadline to file for the school board is, uh, I believe, the second Tuesday, second or third Tuesday in March, and so far nobody's filed for it. The the three incumbents who are up are all at least as of last night were still playing coy and hadn't decided whether they were going to run again. So that's something to keep an keep an eye on. Uh, when we're talking about schools, Beaverton has said that uh, they're going to start letting middle school and high school kids come back to school for a couple of days a week in the middle of April. I hope that turns out to be true. 
and the Oregon Republican Party Party has been taken over by far-right legislatures. Did you catch that? I did indeed. You got the facts? You got the names in front of you? Say again? Do you have the facts? Do you have the names in front of you? Well, the the, the big the pre- president, uh, the chair of the party is going to be Senator Hurd, who is uh, about as about as far right as you can find in the legislature. The uh, uh, Dad, you just moved your fa- you just moved your mouth away from the phone. No, I didn't. There's just something that happens that I don't do a thing, and I, and I hear it fade, and I don't know why it does that. It is a mystery to me. Dallas Heard, the far-right senator, has been elected chair of the Republican Party of Oregon. He had rebelled against coronavirus restrictions, supported protesters and rioters who stormed the Oregon Capitol. He has been elected chair of the state Republican Party, showing the Republican taking a harder line shift in some states, continuing to support President, former President, excuse me, holy mackerel, Donald Trump. Uh, the the Oregonian story saying that reflects the bitter frustration felt by Republicans in Oregon, where Democrats dominate the legislature, the governor's office, and other statewide office holders. But instead of trying to recapture Republicans who have left the party, they are instead saying that uh, that it was a false flag effort. The Republican Party came out and said that the riot at the U.S. Capitol was a false flag effort designed to discredit Trump. And that political deep lie spread through the Republican Party and continues. And now they've got some of their furthest right elected officials who are in charge of the state party. That, that, that is an interesting development to me because historically there's been very frequently a disconnect between state parties, particularly Republican Democratic parties, and the legislature the members of the legislature who register as Republicans and Democrats. And typically the state party has tended to be on the Democratic side farther to the left than the legislative Democrats and the Republicans farther to the right. And the uh, often the legislature, members of the legislature have wanted to maintain a respectful distance from the state party. One, one of the great things that your stepmother did well, in her six years with the state party was to do a great deal to bridge that divide for the Democratic Party, but it's interesting that that uh, these Republican legislators have taken control of three of the three of the four offices. They they lost uh, uh, Chuck from Hood River was not elected secretary, but but they took chair, vice chair, and treasurer. But this was not a takeover by moderate, if there are any of those left, moderate Republicans. It's a takeover by the folks on the far right. And so so it's just, it's going to be really interesting to watch how that plays out. The 
vaccine eligibility is expanded to 70 plus year old Oregonians. That happened this week. The cherry trees at the Capitol got damaged in the ice storm. Alaska Airlines is ordered to pay $3.2 million after a woman fell at PDX and later died very sadly. And Dad, here's one more. Biden has revoked Trump's order declaring that Portland and other cities are anarchist havens. So either we are no longer anarchist havens, we have stopped being anarchist havens, or we never were, or at least Biden doesn't think so. Do you still view Portland as a haven for anarchists? Not a haven, but a very disappointing thing. I, I continue, as you know, I have invaded against and, and engaged in in a, a debate over uh, in next door with some folks who I think absolutely made despicable, absolutely despicable arguments in support of breaking windows and graffitiing small businesses, just absolutely inexcusable. Uh, are I, you doing political arguments on the next door app, Bob? Are you are you are you being a, a white an old white homeowner on next door and, and, and yelling get off my lawn on the internet? Uh oh, this is careful. This is what happened. A version of that no, is what ended up I, happening I am, to your family I, I members am, in Montana. I am, I am not one of those. I am I am one who says that when when you decide to break the windows of a small business that is trying to make a living and has nothing to do with the issues that you are complaining about, you are doing a really, really bad thing, and you should be punished for it. How many political arguments have you gotten on in on the Nextdoor app? How many? Yeah. <laughs> many. <laughs> Just careful. More than more more than I can count on my on my hands and toes. Yeah, I'll I'll just say be careful because just just careful because this is what happens. Like that is a uh, I just I, I will formulate more coherent thoughts in the future, but careful. Well, everybody, thank you so much. I think it is time for a straw in the wind, Pop. I have straws in the wind. Like a straw in the wind. Straw in the wind. Cinemarks. Century 16 theaters in Eastport Plaza and Beaverton are going to be opening up. That is a wonderful straw in the wind for those who like to go to movies. And Amtrak is reestablishing the Coast Starlight to a seven-day instead of a three-day-per-week schedule. That also is a straw in the wind. But folks, wear your masks. Well, Pop, we did it one more time. We did it indeed. I love you, lad, and we'll be back on Monday. Love you, Pop.